What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Throwing Up Bricks podcast, episode 13. Yep. As usual, I'm your host, Jacob, and he's Jared. The unicorn is the national animal of Scotland. Yes, that mythical beast, the unicorn. Wow, congrats. Um, That's a great fact. I'm very proud of you. Thank you. All right, we'll get right into it. We'll get our stuff out of the way. We got to do our usual housekeeping. And just like Danny Green playing absolutely terrible for the Los Angeles Lakers, you can always email us at throwinupbricksjj at gmail.com. Once again, that's throwinupbricks, just like Danny Green, jj at gmail.com. Yeah, it's amazing how many similarities we have. Mm-hmm. Um, did I mention that he's the new guest host? Yeah, I think I did. Yeah. Um, <laughs> anyways, uh, as always, you can listen to us wherever you get your podcast, be that Podbean, Amazon Music, uh, iTunes Podcast, Google Podcast, TuneIn, Amazon Alexa, or Spotify. Any of them. All right. Without further ado, let's get into it. Get a boo? Get a boo, Jared. <laughs> All right. Well, we had uh, another couple good slate of games these past two days. Uh, yeah. A lot of series-defining games and performances. So, yeah, we're coming uh, to you on a Thursday night here. Um, after eight more games of playoff basketball, 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 in the bubble. And, and most importantly, for the first time since 2012, the Los Angeles Lakers have won a playoff game. Hallelujah! It's it's actually quite shocking when you think of it that way. I was a I was a freshman in high school the last time the Lakers won a playoff game. Oh my god! I was a freshman in college. I couldn't even drive. Yeah, that's all. The, god, that is pathetic. Honestly, it is. It is uh, sad. It feels longer. It, it, or the, it doesn't feel as long actually to me. It because it I don't know. Maybe those last goodbye years for Kobe kind of made them somewhat interesting. So it makes you forget, but. That's that's yeah, hard to believe. The blow. Yeah. Then uh, you know, honestly, Jake, we shouldn't complain because no. there are franchise <coughs> kings <laughs> who haven't sniffed the playoffs in a number of years. So exactly. Um, my heart goes out to you guys. Uh, <laughs> we know for a very small stretch how that feels now, um, and it's good to not belong to that group anymore. <laughs> it's the end of an era, really, because I think since the Lakers drafted Magic. And before this drought we just ran into, I think they'd only missed the playoffs twice. Once in the early 90s and then the, the first year Shaq left. That's unreal. Yeah. Oh. All right. Well, speaking of the Lakers, we'll just touch on that really quick. Uh, the Lakers put together a win finally. Anthony Davis looked pretty dominant. Uh, they won 111 to 88. Uh, and actually it was the defense I think that was really the cause of this win. I mean, anytime you keep a team to shooting, you know, below 30% from three and almost below 40 from the field, uh, you're pretty much going to win the game. So that's going to be the calling card. Holding the Blazers to 88 points is no mean feat. You know, Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know exactly what they're averaging on the stat in front of me, but it felt like something like 120 something a game in the bubble. So holding them well below that is, is no small feat indeed. Um, and then on the other end, you know, AD finally showed up. And I think yep. that's really the main point here, right? The main takeaway. He went for 31, 11, and 3. Um, 
in his 29 minutes of action. And he had to play yep. 29 minutes to rack that up. So if he plays like that, we're nigh unstoppable, basically. I mean, he was just mashing dudes in the paint all night long. And then after he did that for a while, he stepped down and actually hit some threes, went three for four in this one. Um, yeah, I, he's pretty much the key. We've been saying it for a while. You know, we haven't hid this fact. Um, and by no means are we the first to bring this up, but he is the key. You know, he in this series, he has a matchup advantage. So does LeBron, right? To know some extent, um, they, they're throwing Wenyan Gabriel on LeBron, but getting back to AD, he's the key because he drives the offense, right? Like LeBron is so focused on getting other people involved. Um, AD needs to be the one who's maybe a little bit selfish, you know, get his. Um, mm-hmm. Because when he is, we're, we're flowing, you know? Um, when he's not, it looks more like game one, where everybody's disjointed, kind of standing around, waiting for one of our two guys to do something. And if they don't do anything, then we're pretty much, a, I don't know, we're just a team of people that like to stand. It might be a weird take, but I think when AD plays like this, he looks like the best player in the league. When he plays dominant inside offensively and he's hitting threes after he gets his rhythm and he's as dominant as he is on the defensive end he he looks like he's completely controlling the game he really he does control the game that's not a weird statement at all um he just dominates he's so unique i mean i know we like to call chris Stapps the unicorn um and all these other big guys that are coming in the league these days the unicorn but ad was the original he was the og he's the tall guy who had a handle and was basically a center. Um, well, okay, maybe I should backtrack a little bit because Kevin Durant's probably the OG if we're really going back. But but AD in the sense of that he can dominate on both ends, defensively and offensively. He's huge. He can handle it, and he can step out and hit a three. I mean, he's the whole package that we're talking about as the prototype for, for all these guys that we're talking about afterwards. Um, and games like this remind you of why, you know, how dominant he can be because if you recall – the one good series he really had in the playoffs in his whole career prior to this was against these Blazers. Uh-huh. Um, yep. Back when, you know, he had Rondo and uh, Drew Holiday out there on the wing just harassing Dame and CJ. Um, and AD, people forget during that series, he was a beast. He averaged like 30 points a game in that series. He was, you know, just dominating. So I think, I think he's averaged 30 points a game per his playoff, every playoff game, I think. I wouldn't doubt it. I didn't know yeah. that, though. Wow. Okay. I mean, he has the skill set too. We see it. We saw it here. He only played 29 minutes and the dude racked this up. And like, yeah, he's a plus 32 on the game. Plus 32. I mean, I know we blew them out, but geez, 30 plus 32 in one game. That's insane. So like, yeah, it, it must be as simple as that for us, right? When AD chooses to assert his dominance inside with his skill set, nothing can be done. Amen. You want to move on to another blowout, the Jazz yeah. Nuggets from yesterday? Before, before we leave, I do want to mention um, Dame went down in this one with a dislocated finger. Um, mm-hmm. I don't want to say got went down, right? Because people play through dislocated fingers. Famously, Kobe did a, a number of times, right? So people do it. Um, and I don't know what hand it's on, if it's on a shooting hand or not. But something to look out for because he did not have a great game here. Um, and I don't know when he sustained that injury. So I don't know how much that influenced it or not. You know, if he was just having an off night before that, but something to look for in the rest of the series, right? Because mm-hmm. if he's not hit, we saw what happens. It's what happened tonight. <laughs> he went six of fourteen from the field and one of seven from three, and they lost. Yeah. So. All right. Well, backing off that, going to another game: the Utah Jazz Denver Nuggets. Yesterday, Utah won one twenty four to one hundred five. 
despite some pretty amazing performances from Porter Jr. and Jokic, uh, the Jazz were just were just balling in this one. Yeah, they were, and kind of in the same way that they were in Game One. I think the the you know maybe some of their role players stepped up a little bit more to help Mitchell, you know, because he didn't have fifty seven in this one. <laughs> he only had thirty, only thirty. Um, he still balled out. He went six of seven from deep and ten of fourteen overall. I mean, he was killing it. Um, but some of his other guys stepped up. Ingles had eighteen. Gobert had nineteen. Clarkson had twenty six off the bench. He was huge for them. He had his, you know, one Clarkson game of a series. Um, and so while they got contributions across the board to to sub, you know, to um, supplement what Dono was giving them, on the other side, Denver kind of took a step back uh, in terms of their stars. Um, I mean, Jokic was fine. Uh, good. Even really uh, just like last game, uh, he had 28 and Michael Porter jr. Found his stroke again. He went for 28, but then Murray played bad. And what do we always say? Murray's their bellwether. He's their barometer. You know, if you just look at his stat line, you'll probably know whether they won or lost. And in this one, he went for 14 points on six of 13 shooting. They lost. Yeah. And I think it's also on the other end. I mean, when Donovan takes over like that and an efficient clip, and then he gets open shots for angles, and then Gobert's getting offensive boards, and other guys, Clarkson comes in with that second unit, starts scoring. We may have counted them out in this series a little too early, especially when they get Conley back. Um, if if Mitchell, yeah. Mitchell keeps playing like this, it could be the most exciting of the first round series right now because these games have been pretty awesome so far. Both teams have been lighting it up too. I think they both shot. Uh, almost f- over 45 from three this game. So it's, it's, it's raining threes and it's, it's fun basketball. It is. And I think you kind of tangentially referred to it there. They don't, they don't really have a lot of guys to throw on Mitchell right now. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess the main person whose assignment it would be in that starting lineup is Murray. Yeah. So that's like, or Tory Craig, I guess maybe, but that's like kind of a lot to ask from from those two guys. Yeah. When, you know, Murray's also expected to carry the load offensively, so they really are kind of missing Will Barton um, and Gary Harris right now. You know, two more guys that are nominally very good defenders on their team, and, and they could use to throw at Mitchell and Waves. Um, uh, and it, you know, along that sort of vein of thinking, um, there was news today that Will Barton left the bubble in order to get a consultation on his injury. So. Uh, to, to rehab his, his knee, right? So they don't even know if he'll be back. Um, mm-hmm. I think he's out indefinitely. So, yeah, he may not be back. So if, if Harris can finally get right, that might help them a lot more than yeah. we ever thought. Yeah, I agree. Um, so if we can move on to another game, I don't know if we need to talk very, very much. You can interject what you have to say about it. But the Boston Celtics, again, had a victory over the 76ers. They blew them out 128 to 101. Um, the only takeaways I had from this game were Embiid was aggressive. He played pretty well, uh, but they just don't have the secondary firepower. Terrace was awful from the field. He looked lost. And then on the other end, Tatum is doing the same thing he's been doing all bubble. He's, he's dominating. And that, that wing duo, when they're, they're attacking him and Jalen, and then Ky- with Kyrie coming back, they're, they're looking pretty good. Um, obviously, Gordon Hayward is, is a big blow. Uh, but if they can get this past the Sixers team in four or five games, I think they have a chance at the at the conference finals. But we'll see. I just love that Philadelphia is looking horrible. That just that makes my day. 
yeah, Tatum was feeling himself in this one, man. Like <laughs> some of those shots he was taking were just heat check shots essentially, mm-hmm. and he was draining them. Like he he had so many step back or step to the side threes. Like I couldn't even count them. I lost track while I was watching this, and he was just raining them. It, it was insane to watch. And then, I mean, like I said, kind of before this series started, Jalen Brown, kind of the unsung hero. I mean, he. It, you know, it's not always pretty and it's not always really noticeable. He kind of does it in the background, but yeah, quietly piled up another 20 and five here. Um, yeah. just when, just when they needed it, you know? Um, yeah. And, uh, Kemba looked really good in this one too. He was stopping on dimes, pulling up. He didn't, he didn't shoot particularly well from three, but he looked like Kemba, you know, he looked like a jitterbug out there, like getting to his spots and weaving around through traffic. Um, so that was real fun to watch. Um, yeah. They got big minutes from Canner too. Um, he came in and gave them a lot of big rebounds. And Canner is one of those guys who weirdly always shows up in the playoffs. Like, yeah, uh-huh. don't wrong. There's some series he gets played out of, right? Like against the Rockets or something, right? But, but a lot of series he comes in and he gives you big, big contributions. And you're like, he actually plays pretty well. Yeah, he's, he's showing up. Yeah, yeah, he does. He does do that. Um, and one more thing. My boy Romeo Langford from Indiana, he actually got some huge minutes in a playoff game. I'm pretty yeah. happy for him. He played well. He's plus 26 in the box score, so good for him. Hope he hope he develops. Um, and then one more thing about the Sixers, I mean they are who we thought they were. They had three guys make three pointers, and they shot 23.8 from the three point line, making five on the game. There, yeah. you can't. There's no way in hell you're going to win a playoff game in the modern NBA making five threes. So no way. I mean, Tobias just at this point, he's more known for not showing up than he is for anything else. Really. Right. Like if you say Tobias Harris, the first thing that comes into your mind, isn't like a bunch of positive qualities. It's yeah, that guy kind of floats, right? Isn't that that guy, the guy that never really lives up to his contract. Um, and that's not great. I mean, to have that reputation, he's not that old either. Right. And I think he's only like 27, 28. So I don't know. Sixers look a little broken, honestly. Yeah. I think I think it's time to bring out the brooms. So yeah, let's, it might be. Let's sweep on over to another game. Probably the most fun game for me to watch, uh, just because I love to see the Clippers lose. But the Mavericks, even the series <laughs> against the Clippers, in a in a uh, scoring finanza, one twenty seven to one fourteen. Um, I mean, do not not in part to poor playing on the Clippers part. It was just the Mavericks looked really good in this game, really efficient, lived up to that number one offense. They really did. Um, and the the key stretch of the game, then the third quarter and, and the beginning of the fourth, really, like most of the fourth, Luka was on the bench Yeah, when they took over, you know, because the Clippers came charging back after that early Dallas lead. Um, and yeah, Luka was on the bench because he had a bunch of fouls. He was in foul trouble. And that bench unit just, took it to him. I mean, Seth Curry was lighting him up every now and then. And then when he cooled off or they started, you know, really honing in on him defensively, Trey book Burke took over. Yeah. Um, some big shot. You were talking to me before the pod, they played Boban for only 10 minutes, but huge impact minutes, right? It felt like they rang. Went <laughs> it felt like they went to him every other play uh-huh. um, delivered every single time. Um, yeah. and it, 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 he's fun to watch, man. I like Boban. it is. When, when he's in the game, it, it's almost like the entire game revolves around him. He's the it most is. noticeable guy because he's huge. He's in the paint on both ends, making plays on defense and offense. It's it's awesome. I've never seen a player check in for so few minutes a game but have such a huge impact. It's crazy. 
it's it's insane and it's 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 i think part of the reason why and i think i said this to you earlier um i think part of the reason why it's so jarring or can be so jarring for teams and so effective in limited minutes is because it's a change in style right like before that they have probably maxi kleba in right who's like your prototypical modern day uh stretch big or you mm-hmm. know or small ball big where he's like he's only like six nine probably um but he can jump out of the gym and he can stretch it out to three-point line and stuff and he, he's athletic and he runs the floor and then the next play he subs out and in comes this behemoth of a man a guy who dwarfs literally everybody on the court and you're like what is this and then just the the jarringness of the change in style where one minute you have this mobile big flying around the perimeter and the next you have to deal with this 300 pound load in the center just like bowling you over for easy dunks it's it's hard to deal with for even mm-hmm. for a great defensive team like the Clippers. Yeah, even as smart and good as these players in the NBA are, it is weird going from every pretty much everybody in the league you're playing switch every screen, and then Boban comes in, and if you switch a screen, it's an automatic two points essentially, which we saw a couple times in this game where they just backed it out, threw it to him, and he just had a little hook shot over you know the, the point guard. So, exactly. Yeah. yeah. They just have a guy driving the lane, and then like Boban would do some kind of half screen, half slip action, and then his man inevitably comes out to help on the driver, and then all of a sudden he's got a a six foot nothing guy on him, and he's just going to mash him in the paint. You know, he's just going to take Reggie Jackson or, or you know, Marcus Morris even. Like, I mean, he was just taking dudes to town. Like, if you don't yeah. have a big dude like Zubats on him, um, it's, it's just going to be struggle town. Yeah, but yeah, so that that was fun. Not to belittle what. Doncic and, and Porzingis did. They did a really good job. No, and, you know, they yeah. did superstar efforts. They had yeah. twenty eight and twenty three respectively. So, um, you know, kudos and on them. The best player for the Mavericks was no doubt playoff P. Playoff P. I was going to mention that. I'm so he glad showed up in full force today. Clearly, like Danny Green out there, clanking <laughs> freaking threes. Oh, I loved it. That was great to see. So, for all you Clippers fans, I don't hate the Clippers. I hate Paul George. <laughs> so uh, I'm sorry that you're getting a lot of the ire that I'm directing to his way, um, you know, splashing up against you guys in general. But uh, playoff P, man, this is the real playoff P. You know, he, he likes to say he's he's this clutch dude, but we know, we know the real guy. This is this is who he is. This is who shows up in the clutch. <laughs> yeah, it was it was rough. You could tell Kawhi was pretty pissed off. There's some shots of him oh, on yeah. the bench just like, what what do I got to do? I was dominating. But yeah, he's like, I'm out here with 35 and 10, you know, going to the free throw line, every other play, knocking everything down. <laughs> My teammates can't do anything. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was a typical Clippers loss. Uh, they, they don't, they just look weird when they lose. It's like, almost like, I don't even, can't even explain it. It's like, they, they play the complete opposite of what they are, which is extremely deep in talent on every position. They just look flat and they just look yeah. uninspired, but I know they'll bounce back. I don't expect the Mavericks to pull off a miracle and win this series, but this was of a great not. game. It was good to see these young Mavs get a win. And it's too bad because like if Porzingis had stayed in the last game, who knows? Maybe Dallas pulls that one out. It was a close one. Yeah. Um and if you know, if Dallas is up here 2 0, that's a different series altogether. Then we're exactly. really worried about the Clippers. Like yeah. whereas now I think you're right. I think I think we really can't can't predict the Mavs to pull this one out. Um, even though they, they had a really good, strong, resilient showing here. Um, but now that this happened, all three of the, you know, the big time players, both LA teams and the bucks have dropped one in 
kind of disappointing fashion already in the first yeah. round here. So uh -huh. what does that say? I think it says a lot about the parody that we've been talking about for a while here that we're just, we're in a new NBA where, you know, it's not the Warriors just going to dominate every single team all the way on their romp to the finals. It's, it's a new age where we actually have real parody and any of these teams on any given night is super dangerous. Yeah. Agreed. And real quick interjection before we move on, uh, uh, Dame's x-rays came back negative. So okay. there's no fracture or anything. So it was just a dislocated finger. So uh, most more than likely he'll come back uh, next game with no problem. But yeah. that's a relief. Well, eh. I mean, you never root for a player to get hurt, but, you know, maybe he needs to take a game off, you know, Dave? You know, you just take a break, man. <laughs> All right. Another good game, I thought. Today, Heat Sixers. Um, this one, it was... It didn't feel as close as it was because the Heat had a big lead for most of the, the second yeah. half, um, but they won 109 to 100. And right off the bat, Duncan Robinson hit three threes in a row to start the game. And that kind of really just set the tone for the entire game. <laughs> yeah, much uh, much in stark contrast to game one, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> where, yeah. where he struggled to get anything like an open shot anywhere and he just didn't really do much this game. You're right. He came out firing early. They clearly wanted to get him involved and going uh, and they did such a great effect. And yeah, I was, I'm with you. It never really felt out of the heat's control. Um, mm -hmm. They just, you know, regardless of the score, they always felt like they had the momentum, um, Yeah, which is, is, you know, I guess the mark of a really dominant team in a series. Right. So, yeah. And then Gordon uh, played another great game. Uh, he's been great for them. He's hit timely shots, been really effective, getting guys involved as well. Um, they're, I don't know. They're fun to watch. I really love watching the Heat. Uh, there's something about them, the way they move the ball, the way they they let guys get theirs and 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 you know to, uh, exploit matchups and and whatnot. Um, they're just they're, they're entertaining to watch, and the Pacers just look like they need help. They look like they're missing their best player, which they are in Sabonis. They don't they don't have that guy on both ends of the floor that can set the tone for them. They do, yeah. Um, they're missing, yeah. Because TJ had a bad game, and it it was super noticeable. You know, you know, Jimmy got the better of him yet again, um, and yeah, they just don't have enough offensive firepower, really. You know, yeah. Turner stepped up though. He played aggressive. There was a couple times Turner where he stepped up. Yeah. Um, he attacked the basket instead of selling for threes, even though he was, you know, he made all his threes in this game. Uh, but I mean, I don't know. They it's clear that they're just not their whole team. And it's hard to compete in the playoffs like that. Yeah, they're not fully get a lot of help off the bench. And Oladipo, I mean, I know he played 37 minutes in this one and came back from the eye thing, so that was impressive, but he just doesn't look like himself to me. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Like he only shot five of 14 from the field and four of his makes were from three. So like he only made one bucket that wasn't a three. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I don't know. I don't know. He just doesn't feel like all the people of old to me yet. And, and yeah. I, there's reasons, I guess, you know, and I understand those reasons and the injury and it takes a long time to get back and the bubble's weird. You get poked in the eye and all this stuff, but they need him to be all-star takeover Oladipo if they're going to have a chance in this series. Um, otherwise, it's it's slipping away by the game here. Yeah, I agree. It's a good point. It's it's looking like better luck next year for the Pacers. Uh, but who knows? It's still early, um, and this could still be a series. We'll see. But yeah. my, my money's on Miami to, to finish this one up pretty soon. Yeah, I'm with you. Do you want to move on to the Rockets game? 
yeah, this was another another one that I was surprised. I thought the Thunder would come back um, and kind of you know uh, punch them in the mouth, and they did. They, it was a, it was a little closer than the score indicates. There was times in this game where it was it was a close game and it, it looked yeah. like anybody's ball game. But, um, dude, <laughs> I mean, what, what can you do when Harden shoots horribly from the from the field, and the Rockets still shoot and manage to shoot? Um, actually, I take that back. They didn't shoot great from the field, but they chucked up fifty six threes. Yeah, and that's true. So when you're doing that and you still make, I mean, they didn't shoot a great percentage, but they made nineteen of them. Oh wow! Three yeah. is bigger than two. They um, do check and, them up, and it's really like it, it's really a function of what we said before the series, right? Where the Rockets are just built differently than the Thunder, and the Thunder aren't built to come back from like deficit, yeah. right? Yeah, like they're just not. They don't shoot a lot of threes, and they don't shoot them particularly well, and so mm-hmm. they're not built to mount huge comebacks. Um, and so when the Rockets jumped on them early, it it was kind of you know. OKC fought back to their credit, you know, and they, they made it a game in the second and thirds and it was really close. But yeah, it's just I don't know. There's something about the Rockets where like you have to really take advantage and really step on their throat when they start missing like they are. Yeah. tonight. Like, you can't yeah. let them win these ones. These are the ones you really have to take. And OKC just floundered. They kind of struggled um, offensively, really. Right. Because holding the Rockets to 111 is no small feat. So, yeah, I don't know. Shea had a great game. She yeah. was awesome, but that was pretty much it. I mean, CP3 didn't shoot well. Steven Adams barely did anything, you know. I mean, he, he went four for four, but he only took four shots in 30 minutes of action. And, you know, in a game where he has the size advantage for probably all 30 minutes, it's, I don't know. It's weird. Yeah, I mean, I think it's just clear that as well as they played in the regular season, they're just not built to beat this Rockets team. I mean, it's yeah. hard to keep up with threes, even when <laughs> that's what's baffling. I mean, even when they don't shoot well, they shoot so many of them that it's still like, oh my gosh, they still hit almost 20 threes. Yeah. I mean, the fact of the matter is if you're shooting the same amount of shots as another team, they take all theirs from two and you take all yours from three, you only have to shoot 33% to make as many points as they do shooting 50% on twos. So mm-hmm. that's just the math, man. That's That's yeah. how it works out. So... The Rockets are going by the analytical book here. And, and the way you punish them is on these off nights when they're, you know, they stick to their guns and they still keep chucking. You go inside, you get high percentage shots and you beat them. Um, but Thunder didn't do that. So, yeah. All right. I just want to touch quickly on the, on the Bucks magic game. Okay. Um, Fucevic is, is really surprising me. I, I thought he'd play well, but he's really, led the team even though they lost pretty badly today he's looking really good he's looking like he's not done being you know a pseudo star in this league he's not and i i would like to see him eventually you know down the road on a team that has a a real number one because i think he's an intriguing number two or number three guy Mm -hmm. right like if he doesn't have to be the guy carrying your offensive load every single night and, and being your the onus of your offense I'm I'm curious what that looks like because he's got all the tricks in the bag, man. He's got a sweet offensive game. He can step out and he can hit the three, um, even though he didn't shoot great in this one. He only shot 25%, but normally he does shoot very well from there. Um, he's got all the footwork down low. He's got great, great footwork, soft touch. You can put it up on the rim nice there. Um, he has great positioning. He's got a, just a great mind for the offensive game. He's got, you know, he's got some passing chops. 
Um, I don't know. He's fun to watch. Um, and he, he's a good big man who's kind of, you know, changed his game in a way that fits the modern NBA a little more. And so I, I'd like to see him on a team that has more uh, upside, you know, offensive upside, maybe another second, a second star or a first star really to his yeah. second star um, yeah. to carry the team. Cause I think he's really good, but he's overtaxed as the number one on a playoff team. Yeah. I think why I like him so much is he kind of reminds me of Pal Gasol. Uh, yeah. Minus maybe the playmaking, but uh, just the way he gets his shots and can play inside out and has that touch, that Euro touch. He's, he's fun to watch for sure. And then on the Bucks, what are you going to say? When they, when they play like this, it's it's rough. When Brooke Lopez is hitting his threes and Giannis is getting in the paint and, and grabbing 20 boards, uh, it's it's a typical Bucks game. Although another terrible game for Chris Middleton. And I want to know what's up with them. Yeah, this is not a great game uh, for Middleton backers. You know, this is this is exactly what Middleton detractors say about him that he just doesn't show up. He doesn't give you enough as a second star. I don't know. It's it's looking scary. Um, that's two straight bad games. And generally, from superstars, if you want to ascend to that level, you can't do that. You can't have two bad games in a row in the playoffs, especially when your team's down a game. Like, thank God they pulled it out here from the contributions, like he said, of Lopez, Lopez, um, and Connaughton and Divincenzo off the bench were huge. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, you can't you can't do that if you're the second star on a team, man. You got to show up at least one of the first two games in a series. Yeah, it was a little disappointing. I mean, let's just hope it's just the first round, and he's although he's not resting, he played really well at times in the no. bubble. You played great. I don't know. I don't it's, know. It's, <sighs> we'll see. We'll see. Hang in there, Bucks fans. Um, all right, Toronto Nets. They're the next game. Toronto won one hundred four to ninety nine. It's pretty close, and it was a decently close game. The Nets got out to a you know a really fast start here. Yeah, um, you know they didn't I was back actually down. Worried but, for the Raptors. I thought they were going to drop this one. Yeah, but their experience comes through yet again. Freddie V, man, leading the charge with twenty four points. Uh, he didn't shoot great from the field, but. He sure took a lot of shots. <laughs> yeah, he's, uh, he's kind of asserted himself as the number one option on offense, which is, is weird. Because it feels like Siakam was supposed to take that role, right? But uh, he's just not. Like, he's not asserting his dominance. Um, and so in that void of power, Van Vliet's like, all right, I'll be the guy. Why not? This might be the Freddie run, man. I, I, I kind of jokingly said in the podcast last time, <laughs> Freddie V is he's the leader for the uh, the clubhouse leader for <laughs> Finals MVP. Maybe he is, man. I don't know. Maybe he is. It's not looking like a joke anymore. Hey, if they make a run at the title, then maybe. Um, <laughs> no, we also got a big game from Norm in this one, and that's good to see. Uh, yeah, he he he's he's been well when he comes off the bench and he's aggressive like this and he puts up big numbers. It's nice to have a guy that could only play maybe 12 minutes a game, but sometimes we'll, we'll give you a huge game like this. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then Lowry, I, 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 the more I watch him, the more I love him. I used to be a big hater, uh, but I don't know. He's, he's really stepped into a new role. He seems like he's constantly evolving and getting better every year and, and, and learning. Um, well, it seems like last year really just changed a lot of the yeah. DNA for the Raptors as an organization. And also for Lowry in particular, because Remember, he wasn't always known as a playoff performer. There yeah, were years when it was DeRozan and him where it was like neither of these guys show up in the playoffs. They both just kind of disappear. That's why the Raptors will never do yeah. anything. That's why it's LeBronto. Um, mm-hmm. But I don't know. Last year kind of just, I feel like it just changed drastically the fate of that franchise and Lowry himself. Because before that, would you have said that Lowry was a lock for like 
I don't know, an all-time great status, you know, a Hall of Fame? No. Now? Maybe not a lock, but he's certainly forcing his way into a conversation. I mean, he's been an all-star how many times now? I think six in a row. Yeah. He was a second-best player on a championship team. I mean, it's you know, the resume is starting to stack up, so... And nobody really expected this, you know, his first few years in the league when he was bouncing around the chubby dude, couldn't, couldn't find a place on a team. Dang. So, so kudos to Lowry, man. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's really changed and it's, it's fun to watch him when he plays like that. He plays like a champion. Super fun. Um, So I know we're running low on time here, but really quick, do you want to touch on the lottery? Sure. We can talk about the lottery. Uh, yeah. Knicks again. Yeah. Sorry, Knicks That's there. pretty much all I wanted to say is I can't believe the Knicks <laughs> fell to number eight. Oh, uh, <laughs> oh, they just cannot. I don't know, man. I guess at a certain point when you mess it up yourself internally so badly, the lottery gods are just like, you don't deserve another chance. Yeah, a self-fulfilling prophecy. Fix it yourself. <laughs> Yeah, so the the T-Wolves came out with the number one pick, which is interesting. I wonder who they're going to take, considering they already have, you know, a point guard and a a star big man. You know, LaMelo was kind of maybe the number one pick. It could be any of three of, you know, Edwards, Mello, and Wiseman. But I'll be interested to see who they pick. Yeah, it'll be very interesting because they already got their point guard of the future in D'Angelo, at least they think so, right? So is LaMelo off the board then? Probably. Maybe. Maybe do they trade it and try to get another star and make a run in the playoffs or what? Does anybody even value this pick in this weird draft where you can't evaluate talent very well and nobody, you know, it was already a thin draft to begin with. Um, yeah. Because we really thought, you know, the top end talent was that good. I mean, I don't know, man. It's yeah, it'll be interesting. It'll be, it interesting. be interesting. Yeah, especially because I guarantee all, you the Warriors trade their pick. Yeah, all yeah, because all three of the top teams have a point guard. Yeah. So you wonder if 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 one of them's going to have to make a move in order to to make that pick actually worth it. I mean, we might see Melo Lamelo fall really far, right? Um, um, because of that. I think he'll get drafted top three, and then at, at probably get traded if if they decide they don't want a point guard. Because I think he's too intriguing of a talent and too valuable as a pick to 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 let him just fall to somebody at five or something like that. Yeah, I guess the Bulls probably. At the very least, take him in fourth, right? Um, because they need a point guard. Um, I mean, do they? They do. Levine's not their point guard. He's a shooting guard, and and everybody else kind of didn't really work for most of the season. Yeah, and whatever coach they get in there is probably going to want a young point guard he can mold. I mean, he's got they got Kobe White and Archie Diakono. They've got yeah, Kobe White, but I think Kobe White profiles as a six man. Honestly, like that's. I don't know. He's more of a jacker. He's not really a point guard. He doesn't set anybody up. Yeah. He just comes and jacks yeah, he's, a, he's a scoring point guard. That's true. He's a six man. He's a Lou Williams, basically. So, like, you need a, a guy who's going to set the table. So, maybe well, they think that's what Lamelo is. <laughs> I'm pretty sure Lamelo is a jacker, too. So, it'll be interesting to see where he goes. <laughs> yeah. Personally, I don't think you should draft him. I think, uh, I think he shows too much of the negative qualities of his brother and not enough positive beyond his brother. To, to justify a high pick like that, but uh, I th- what do I, I mean? Know? The draft isn't that great, anyways, and he's extremely intriguing, being as tall as he is and just flowy and and skilled. I don't know. He's you can't not draft him. I don't know. Top I guess what what I've kind of defaulted to, based on how many whiffs we've had in recent drafts, is I don't want to draft the intriguing talent that has never actually showed it on any level. 
kind of guy. You know, I mean, people keep saying he shows flashes, but then you look at it at the stat lines and you watch the games that he's done in like Australia and stuff. And he's like, he's shooting like 20% from the field. Mm. And he, you know, it's like, sure. He's got a bunch of points, but he jacked it up 25 times and he, and he made like, I don't know, eight of them. So like, I don't know. I, I lean towards the guys that have proven it. And and there aren't a ton of those in this draft. I'll give you that. Um, and it was hard to evaluate because we didn't have March Madness. So, you know, we didn't have a lot of the training camp, uh, sorry, mini camps and stuff or, or personal workouts are probably going to be limited and stuff like that. But I don't know. I'm just tired of teams taking these ridiculously high flyers on guys that like, I guess have talent, but what even is the top end talent for D'Angelo? Like, or sorry for um, LaMelo. Like what is the top end upside that you see there? It's a huge point guard who can shoot from Curry range and has handles. And I mean, can he shoot from Curry range or does he just check it up from Curry range? He can shoot from Curry range. (laughs) Because his three point percentage is below thirty percent, well, you can still shoot it. I mean, it doesn't take. You can't really look at stats from those leagues. I don't think. I don't know. Luka Doncic was dominating men, and I feel like he's not never dominating anything. Like he was just surviving, keeping his head above water. So I don't know why people are so high on him. Um, But I guess we'll see. It'll be borne out. Yeah. Yeah, we will see. That's true. All right. Well, I think we're running a little over here. Yeah, a little over here. But that's fine. We got a lot of content. It's hard with with the first round of the playoffs and so many series going on. Yeah, and we shortened it relative to last week, so I think mm-hmm. that's good. Uh, yeah. I mean, it is only our thirteenth. Like you said at the beginning, it's the thirteenth pod. We're learning. Yeah. Just like anybody in a new uh, new ex- exploration or activity, right? So. Stick with us. Please email us. Let us know what you like and don't like, what kind of formats you, you like to see. Um, I think I could take this moment here to, to tease that we are thinking of some fun podcasts, some non-basketball stuff to do. And I think we're going to release one this weekend, if we're lucky, um, as well as maybe another one on a, on a specific season. We'll start our highlight series. Um, so that'll be fun. So, uh, yeah, we'll talk to you guys on Sunday. Um, anything to add, Jake? get a boo nice get a boo from jake and peace from me see you on sunday